0: want you to turn to Luke 17, Luke chapter 17, and we're going to continue our series called Living in His Presence. And we're really talking about worship, and we're talking about entering God's presence, not just every weekend, but every day. And not going out from His presence, if you remember we talked about this, but going out with His presence, living in His presence. And so the title of this message is, His presence. Thanksgiving. His Thanksgiving. And even though we're approaching the holiday of Thanksgiving, this is what the pilgrims did. We know they gave thanks. Sometimes we don't think about it. We just think about Thanksgiving as one word and as a holiday, and we get off work and get to eat and watch the game. But it comes from the words thanks and giving, or you can interchange those, giving thanks. Uh, As I told you a moment ago, let's give thanks. That's um, something some people say at the meal. You might not know where it came from. It's nowhere in the Bible until Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then you'll hear Jesus. He's the one that started that. Every time when he broke bread, it said he gave thanks. So it came from Jesus himself trying to teach us that even daily provision is from God that it's all from the Father, and we should live a life of thanksgiving. And if we're gonna live in his presence, we've gotta develop a life of thanksgiving, not a holiday a year, but giving thanks every day, being a grateful person. So let me show you Luke chapter 17, look at verse 11. Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And then as he entered a certain village, there met him 10 men who were lepers, who stood afar off. They had to stand afar off, by the way, because of the law. And they lift up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned, and with a loud voice Glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. Giving thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way, your faith. Has made you well. So let me show you a a few things about this passage. And we're talking again about living in his presence and about worship. So, number one, worship is giving thanks. If you want a very simple definition of worship, worship is giving thanks. Uh, Verses 15 and 16 again in Luke 17, we'll stay there through the whole message. One of them, when he saw he was healed, returned and with a loud voice, loud voice, glorified God, and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. Worship is all about thanking someone after you've received something. That's really what worship is. Worship is that you've received something from God, so you want to give him thanks. You want to express your gratitude to him. You want to express your love. And, and please hear me, that true, genuine love is always expressed. You might have grown up in a family that didn't express love, but you're in a new family now. <laughs> you might have had a dysfunctional father, but you have a good good father now. You have a really good father, and you can express your love to him because you have received something from God. Express your love. Just think about it. Love always has to be expressed. It's always expressed. Think about the first time you held hands with that special someone, you were expressing what you were feeling in your heart. You were expressing your love. This is all through Scripture. Now, I'm not trying to get everyone to express your love or your worship to God the same. I'm not trying to do that. I understand we have different personalities. I read a book years ago called um, Sacred Pathways, and it talked about nine pathways to, to, to nine different types of people that that express their love to God. And, um, you know, when I read those books, uh, I get a little nervous because I keep looking for which one I am, you know. And I read a book one time on leadership. It was the seven different types of leader. I got to the end, I wasn't any of them. I thought, man, you know, it's just horrible. So so this book on Pathways to Worship, I was reading through trying to figure out which one I was. One of them, it said, is the naturalist. This is the person that, that finds God in nature, that loves to be outdoors. And I thought, oh, this is me. This is me. I love the outdoors. And then it said, this is a person who would like to spend the night by a stream. No. I like to spend the night in the Hilton, but not by a stream. If the Hilton's by a stream, that's Okay. And then then it talked about the the loner, the person that likes to get alone with God. And I thought, oh, that's me, that's me. I love to get alone with God. This person loves to get alone with God. And then it said, this is the person that would like to spend a day in a monastery. If they have a TV. (laughs) That's not me. And then as I got to the end of it, I thought, you know, I'm the kind of guy that would like to be alone, in the woods with the Bible, and then meet Debbie at the Hilton and watch the game. (laughs) So I understand that we have different ways of expressing. This guy did it with a loud voice, and fell at his feet, very demonstrative. I think though, when you think about it, it was totally appropriate for what he had just received. Wouldn't you agree? So we talk, talk about worship as giving thanks, In the Old Testament, there are 11 Hebrew words for praise. Now, you'll you'll hear seven Hebrew words. That's because seven are dominant. Seven are are most commonly used. Let me show you these seven words, though, and and look for the words thanksgiving in in the definition or giving thanks, all right? Here, Here are the seven Hebrew words of praise that are most used in the Old Testament. Number one, todah. Todah means a thanksgiving choir. That's the actual definition, a thanksgiving choir. And again, not the holiday, but a choir giving thanks, all right? Barak is the second one, means to kneel in thanksgiving or to bow down. Many times it's translated bow. The third one is "tahila," to sing a song of thanksgiving. Now, make sure you pronounce this one correctly. It's not tequila, Which it might cause you to sing a song afterwards, buddy. Okay, Tehillah. The fourth one is Halal. It means to give thanks by being clamorously foolish. Not like that. <laughs> it, to give thanks by being clamorously foolish. All right, and by the way, this is where we get our word Hallelujah from this Hebrew root. All right. The, the fifth one is yada. it means to give thanks with extended hands, or to lift your hands, in thanksgiving. Notice, are you, are you seeing the pattern here? <laughs> it's all about giving thanks. The fifth, a sixth one is zamar, it means to give thanks with a musical instrument. And the seventh one is shabbat, which means to give thanks in a loud tone. This is translated shout many times, shout to the Lord. This is the word, give a shabbat to the Lord, all right? But here's the thing, notice they're all about expressing our love. And they're all about giving thanks. Please hear me. You'll never be a worshiper if you're not grateful. Gratitude is what causes worship to come forth. By the way, there's a verse in the Bible that has four out of these seven words in one verse. Let me read it to you. Psalm 100, verse 4. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. That's the word todah, which means the thanksgiving choir. And enter his courts with praise, Hela, singing praises. Be thankful, yadah, which means extend your hands to him, and bless, barak, bow before his name. Uh, let, me, let me now paraphrase it, put all the defini- definitions in. Enter into his gates with a thanksgiving choir and enter his courts with singing praises. Extend your hands to him and bow before his name. Now, again, I'm not saying that we all need to do it the same way. We all have different personalities. But there are scriptural expressions of worship. Bowing is in the Bible. Shouting is in the Bible. Clapping is in the Bible. Extending your hands, lifting your hands. That's not a Pentecostal thing, that's a Bible thing. That's in the Bible. I remember, and we've all gone through this probably, and you may still be in this, and that's okay, but I remember the first time I lifted my hands in church. I don't know if you remember this or not, uh, when it happened to you, maybe it's still happening, it's okay, but I just remember I was on about the third row in the middle section, and um, I was traveling and doing evangelism, and most of the people there knew me, you know, and um, we were, it was the Baptist church, and we were kind of beginning to, you know, lift our hands and worship some, and. Uh, but it was just, I just thought, that's just, that's just not me, you know, that's just not me, you know. And so, but I remember I was standing there and this worship pastor, God bless him, you know, this worship pastor said, let's all lift our hands to the Lord. You ever had someone do that to you and you think, no, let's not all lift our hands <laughs> to the Lord. Let's just all the people who feel comfortable lift our hands to the Lord, you know. But he said, let's all lift our hands, you know, and so I was kind of looking around, and I thought, oh, everybody's doing it, so I, it. So I thought, Okay. I remember thinking, everybody's looking at me. Everybody thinks I'm a charismatic now. (laughs) But I remember that right there and something in my heart flipped. And I remember thinking, I don't care what anybody thinks anymore. I don't care, I'm gonna worship God. That's that's worship. That's giving thanks. Okay, so so worship is giving thanks. So I want to worship God, so I need to give him thanks, which is gratitude. But is there something that causes gratitude? Is there something that precedes gratitude? So here's point number two. Miracles precede gratitude. Gratitude. According to this passage right here, miracles precede gratitude. Look again at verse 15. And one of them, when he saw he was healed, when he saw that he was healed, return, and with a loud voice glorified God, when he saw that that he was healed. In other words, the reason he was grateful was because he just received a miracle from God. Okay. Um. You say thank you after you've received something. Uh, You know, we're entering the Christmas season, so don't any of you walk up to someone else at church and go, thank you. (laughs) And then say, "Uh, what? I'm just thanking you for the gift you're going to get me. (laughs) (laughs) See, you you don't say thank you Before you get the gift, right? When do you say thank you? When someone gives you a gift, what do you say? Thank you. you. That's what worship is. That's what worship is. It's just saying thank you. It's just giving thanks. Giving thanks. We come together, we give thanks. You get up in the morning, you give thanks. It's just giving thanks. Okay, this guy did it with a loud voice and he fell down on his face at Jesus' feet. Now, Question, was that appropriate? Yes. (laughs) I think it was. Uh, See, we don't know a lot about leprosy. Leprosy is a disease. It's in essence like an autoimmune disease, but it's a bacteria that causes your um, digits to begin to waste away. Your flesh begin to eat away at itself. If you had leprosy in the Bible you could not associate with anyone else because they thought it was contagious. Um, And it is somewhat contagious, but not as contagious as they thought for many, many years. So you had to live in a leper colony. You had to live with other lepers. Uh, You couldn't be a productive member of society. You couldn't hold a job. You couldn't have a career. You couldn't go to church. You couldn't live with your family if you contracted leprosy after you had children You could never go to your kids' ball games. You could never kiss your wife goodnight. And if anyone ever got too close to you, you literally had to shout, unclean, unclean. So not only were you a physical outcast, but you were a social and religious outcast, because they they believed that the reason you had it was some judgment of God. People didn't want to get anywhere around you. In the 1950s, there was a famous pain doctor that studied leprosy in a leprosorium. And what I'm about to tell you is tough, but he discovered something that had never been discovered before about leprosy. As I said, the flesh would begin to was eaten away, especially on the ends of your fingers and toes and things like that. But they began to notice that it's, people were waking up in the morning bleeding. And it was as if the leprosy was advanced during the night. And so for the first time ever, they put cameras on leprosy patients. And again, I'm telling you, this is tough, what they found out, but they found out that the, the rats were coming at night. and eating the people's flesh. What he learned was that it, it the, the disease deadened the nerve endings and so the people didn't know it. One man had a hoe and he, he got a horrible sore in his hand and there was a nail in the hoe, but he couldn't feel it because of the disease and so he just kept doing it and just, until he rubbed all the skin off of that part of his hand. So this man had leprosy. He had no hope. And Jesus healed him. So I want to ask you again. Was it appropriate that he would fall down on his face and with a loud voice give thanks? Of course it was, right? So if you had a disease... And Jesus healed you. Would it be appropriate for you when we come together to express your thanks? Yes. Yes. Weren't we all healed of a disease yes. called sin? And the wages of sin is death. So it's okay if you want to express your love to God. And it's completely appropriate. It's completely appropriate. Okay, so we know gratitude is is worship. Worship is about being grateful, gratitude comes from miracles. So, this just the way my mind works, you know, it works in a process. So, is there something that can actually cause a miracle? That'd be pretty cool if something could spark a miracle in my life, right? Well, let me show you point number three. Obedience precedes miracles. Now, I'm not saying that we earn them. But I want to, just look, 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 how, look at this. Look, verse 14. So when he, Jesus, saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. They weren't cleansed when Jesus spoke. They were cleansed as they obeyed. As they did with Go show yourselves to the priest. Okay, they could have said, uh, we're not healed yet. The law says that if we're healed, we go show ourselves to the priest. We're not healed. Because he didn't say, go show yourselves to the priest and you will be healed. Please notice that. He just said, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they obeyed, they were healed. Do you realize how much this pattern is in the Bible? <laughs> he says to Moses, lift up your rod. Moses could have said, the army's right there. And God would have said, uh-huh, lift up your rod. You just do what I tell you to do. He told, when they got to the Jordan, when they were going to the promised land, he said, have the priests put their feet in the water. Now, you got to remember, it was at flood stage. And we don't think much about this, but we've seen on the news, we've seen rivers in flood stage. Right? We've seen cars being carried downstream by rivers in flood stage. So the river was in flood stage. He said, put your feet in the water. They could have said, "Uh, remember the Red Sea? We can probably find a stick and lift it up. And God, if you'll stop the water, then we'll walk through. He said, no. Put your feet in, and I'll stop the water. This, is, this pattern's all through Scripture. They said, come down off the cross that we may see and believe. He said, believe, and you'll see. It's, it's backward. <laughs> Elisha told Naaman, go dip seven times in the Jordan. He was thinking, we've got better waters where I'm from, and it's muddy and his servant said, if he'd told you to do some great thing, wouldn't you have done it? And when he dipped seven times, he was healed. Are you all following me? Amen. Jesus said to a man with a withered hand, a withered hand, stretch forth your hand. But he didn't do that. He didn't argue with him. Stretch forth your hand. And as he stretched it forth, he was healed. I'm just saying, what's God telling you to do that you're not doing that could release a miracle in your life, which would release gratitude, which would release worship? Uh, now, I, I love to do this, and I've told you many times, when you read a passage, read, read the context. So we're going to back up, and I'm going to show you the context before verse 11, I'm gonna show you the first 10 verses. What's amazing is, first of all, most people have never connected the first 10 verses with the, with the 10 lepers that were healed. And then most people that read the first 10 verses separate the first five and the second five of those 10. And you're gonna see if you've never seen it, it all goes together, all right? So he's gonna talk first about offenses, uh, the offender, and then he's gonna talk about the offended. Let me show you, Luke 17, verse one. And then he said to the disciples, It is impossible that no offenses should come. But woe to him through whom they do come. So he's talking to the offender now. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Okay, now he's going to start talking to the offended. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. And the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. All right, now, before we go on to the next part, you you just have to catch this. I'm telling you, most people never caught this. Remember they said increase our faith. That's the three words they said, increase our faith. Okay, so here's what he said. Listen, guys, people are gonna offend you. They're gonna offend you, um, but I want you to forgive them. You understand, when someone offends you, forgive him." And here's what they probably did. They probably did something like this. Okay, we can do that. And he said, no, no, I'm not finished. If the same guy does the same thing seven times on the same day, then you still forgive him. And they went like this. Yeah, we're going to need more faith. Do you see it? See, most people to get him never put verse 5 of that increase our faith. Jesus said, if someone sins against you, forgive him. Okay, but if it's the same guy, same day, same thing, seven times, still forgive him. Yeah, we will need more faith for that. You can't imagine how many people told me it takes faith to forgive. Listen to me very, very carefully. It does not take faith to forgive. It takes obedience. Watch, watch. Okay, so they said, we need more faith. Watch his response, verse six. So, in other words, because of what they just said, the Lord said, if you had faith as a mustard seed, in other words, just a little bit of faith, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it would, watch, obey you. And and, again, people never connected why he told this story here, and which of you, having a servant plowing or tending sheep, will say to him when he comes in from the field, come at once and sit down and eat? But will he not rather say to him, prepare something for my supper and gird yourself and serve me till I've eaten and drunk, and afterward you will eat and drink? Does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded, commanded, not suggested, commanded him, I think not. So likewise, you, when you've done all those things which you are commanded, say we are unprofitable servants, we've done what was our duty to do. Now think about this. Jesus said, you need to forgive people. You just forgive them. And they said, we're gonna need faith to do that. And here's what he said, you don't need faith, you need to do what you're told. That's what he just said. (laughs) I know that's strong, but I didn't didn't make up the Bible. (laughs) Listen listen to that. They say, we're gonna need faith for that, and he comes right back and says, does a servant get thanked because he did what he was commanded to do? That's what, he tells that story. And then he says this, kinda like Jesus had a little attitude every now and then, I think not. (laughs) (laughs) I think not. Here's what he said, you need to do what you're told. I'm the Lord, I told you to forgive people and you don't need faith to forgive them, you just need to obey. You need to do what you're told, I just told you to forgive. So then he's walking along and 10 lepers come up. They see this is the story. And they said, have mercy on us. And I think Jesus kind of looked at the disciples, like okay, watch, just watch what happens when you obey. Go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, as they obeyed, they were healed. And I think Jesus, it's not in the text, but I think Jesus was kind of like, see? (laughs) See? Good things happen when you obey. When you do what you were told. Are y'all following me now? I'm not saying if you're waiting on a miracle that you're in sin. I'm not not saying that. We live in a fallen world. I've, I've been there many times in my own life. But many, many times, the Lord's had to remind me of this passage and I've had to think, what are you telling me to do? If this miracle hasn't happened yet, what are you telling me to do? Because if I'll do what Jesus tells me to do, I'll see miracles in my life. And when I see miracles in my life, I'll have an attitude of gratitude. And when I have an attitude of gratitude, I'll give thanks to the Lord. This is the pattern. So we talked about this leper. Let's think about 30 years later. So Jesus says, go, show yourself to the priest. The guy's healed, he comes back with a loud voice, falls on his face and glorifies God, gives thanks. Let's bring it up to modern day. Guy lives here in the Metroplex 30 years ago. He's healed of an incurable disease by Jesus. Goes back to college, gets his degree, good family, good wife, kids grow up. They found, find good spouses, starts having grandkids. Guy's doing great. 30 years, 30 years since he's been healed. And one day, he's walking down the street and he sees Jesus. Would it still be appropriate to run up to him and to fall on your face and to say thank you? Would it still be appropriate then? It would not I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And the reason we do this at the end of every service is just so you can have a moment alone with God. I want you just say to the Lord, we do this every weekend, just, just, just in your heart, you don't have to say it out loud, just in your heart, just say, Lord, what are you saying to me through this message? And you might still be waiting on a miracle, I understand that. But we've all, if we receive Christ, we have received a miracle. And we've received miracles for however the last many years since we've walked with God. He's been doing miracles in our life. So it's completely appropriate for us to express our praise to him and worship him and to give him thanks. But what's God saying to you right now? You know, God used even this, this message in my life this last week in an area of my life where God, when I thought as they went, and it's like the Lord saying to me, are you going to obey? In that area of your life, are you going to obey? So is there an area of your life that the Holy Spirit is speaking something to you that you need to, as they went, that you need to start walking in a certain direction, differently from the direction you've been walking We want to pray for you. No matter which campus you're attending or or if you're in an overflow room, we want to pray for everyone that needs prayer at every campus. And this is the way we do it. At the end of the service, we have one more worship song. It's time to give him thanks. And if you need prayer for any area of your life, no matter what you're going through, no matter where you attend church, you might be a guest from out of town or maybe a guest from this area, it's okay. If you need prayer for any area of your life, As soon as we stand up, you're going to see other people going forward to the front. That's for prayer. You just come forward to the front to one of the people at the front and say, I need prayer in this area of my life, and let us pray for you, all right? Holy Spirit, I pray you'll draw every person at every campus who has any need of prayer now. In Jesus' name, amen.